Hey everybody, it's me, your host through time and or space, Jay-Z, checking in with you here at the top of the show. I normally don't like to do this, but I wanted to offer a little uh, caveat for what follows. So we, uh, this episode, we were recording with a brand new computer, and we had some audio difficulties with it. We knew about them at the time. We spent a long time trying to solve these issues, uh, and eventually we did solve them, but just after we recorded this. Everybody was in the room. We were all geared up and ready to talk Excalibur with Catherine, and we didn't want to waste that dark age energy that we had generated at that point. So we decided, fuck it, we're going to roll tape. Uh, that's what we did. And so this is the results. We are incredibly sorry for the poor sound quality from the Iceland contingent. But as I am your guide through time and or space, let me move you through space. I mean, we're always going through time, but I'm rarely moving you in a spatial sense. But right now, let me put you into my sister's office, my sister and yours, Carolyn Nowrose, because her audio sounds immaculate as ever. She uh, didn't fuck it up the way that we did. So we're just going to listen to this episode as she would hear it from her house. And that's what you're hearing here. So sorry, once more. And uh, we fixed it since then. So don't worry. But uh, we know about the issue. Thank you. And please, something. Okay, cue the music. Let's do this thing. You're listening to a Time Machine podcast. Old Movie Time Machine, an adventure through time and or space. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Old Movie Time Machine. You know the show. It's the show. We're watching old solar films made in the old US of A between the years of 1945 and 1965 as windows into the past. What do we do with these windows, guys? Do we wash them? Do we close them? Do we throw them open? Oh, we're throwing them open. Then we're crawling inside. And then when we get to the other side, we have ourselves a poke around at the world beyond in this critical era following the Second World War. And while we're poking around in there, we're going to be asking some critical questions, such as, who are these people? What are their habits? How are they treating each other? What decisions are they making? And why? Also, and most critically, what are they wearing? And what do their living rooms look like? And of course, after all of these questions have been asked and answered, we will finish up with the ultimate question on behalf of all of humanity, which is dot, dot, dot. This movie we just watched. Are we going to keep watching it? Is there anything of value here that we need to hang on to? Or do we just let it drift off on an iceberg like old people? Like... <laughs> Isn't in some cultures, Catherine, like iceberg? Yeah, they, they chuck you on an iceberg and they send you off. They're on an iceberg. Yeah, who am I? Great question. I am your actual host through time and/or space, Justin Zeppa, joined as ever by my incredible panel of international experts, and also I have to add uh, the smartest people I know. To my left, as ever, Catherine Sherlock. Welcome back to Old Movie Time Machine. Hello. Next to you. As ever, the one and only Trishma Nike. Trishma, welcome back to the show. 
Hello. We are glad to have you. British accent. That's okay. pretty oh. good. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Was that the Countess Dowager? Uh, no, at the time us? it was Lady. No, Dame Helen. What's her name? Mirren. Mirren. Oh, <laughs> Dame Helen Morgana right. Mirren. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> and next to you, to your left, as ever, across the ocean, my sister and yours, Carolyn Nowrose. Hey, sis. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the show. And as ever, our beloved Brindis is still up in DC. She's behind these closed doors. They keep broadcasting things. Let's tune in just to see how things are going. You know, let's let's check the news and, and hear a little bit of of this controversial hearing about our Boom Room Museum. Let's just listen. In. I will remind you, you are under oath. Of course, this is, uh, you know, con- consider this some kind of. Now, you know, you've got some kind of expression on your, your face right now. I can't even, can't even describe what it is. It looks Under like disgust. Oath, yeah. yeah. Get to the question. Yeah, so basically, we are just wondering, uh, where do you get off taking things from America and taking them over to Iceland? I ask you that. Answer the question. Burn this rest, daughter. Well, do you own the items that we are borrowing? Now, the, well, I mean, the items in question, they are from several decades ago, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, from... You know, right. the, the 1940s, 50s, and 60s, right? Somewhere around there. Somewhere, y'all right. are going back. You, you've somehow developed the, the power of time travel. I, I mean, that's a whole other congressional panel. I mean, we might even open the doors for that one. But for right now, I just really want to focus on you guys taking things. Uh, now, in the past, I actually, uh, I don't know, we'll have to consult with the, uh, the legal documents and procedures and precedents set down as far as uh, old things being taken because... I guess, I mean, like, it's really kind of a mind-bender, really, because, like, if you're taking them from the past, do they even exist here now in the present? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. We have some help from China with that. Now, listen, okay. Now, now burn it. Hold on now. Hold on now. Can I get a little, little water over here? Ooh, scathing. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Really intense. I don't know. I hope she's doing okay over there. Up there, um, we, we should maybe consider not doing it in America and build it. Trishma, this is the exact point I was going to make: was that nobody ever said we're putting it in, in the United States of America. Right. We do. Uh, most of us are in Reykjavik, right. in, in Iceland. But the right. Smithsonian obviously has it out for us. They think clearly we're going to oh, be new oh, competition. Oh, oh. You think this is a lot their of collection backroom right. museum. Politics, mm-hmm. politics, politics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you might be onto something there, and I think we're being mm-hmm. railroaded, guys. It's a very special episode today because, uh, as as referenced last week, we are not actually traveling to our normal era. You know, I did that whole intro. It turns out it's a bunch of bullshit for this episode because this week is a very special week, and it is what we like to call Catherine's choice. Catherine Sherlock. Please tell us the title of the movie you have chosen for us to talk about today. Okay, so this week we will be reviewing Excalibur. Excalibur. 1981, yeah. directed by John Boorman. Mm-hmm. I don't know who that is. Again, not a movie show, but a time travel show. And we're traveling back to, my notes say here, The Dark Ages. It is indeed. A land divided. Without a king. The dark ages of 1981. Uh, 1981. <laughs> well, I mean, not being funny, they really were, right? They, well, 81. <laughs> kind of swampy back then. Uh, great year. Oh, yeah. Great year for births of uh, of pasty white dudes. I mean, really, 
Really good. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Pasty white dude, podcaster hosts time and space mm-hmm. 81. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. That's... Yep. It's the end of gen mm-hmm. X, the beginning mm-hmm. of the millennials. millennials. Uh, I'm a bridge. And this is what we do on this program. What do we do? We build bridges. We build bridges. Stretchy bow. <laughs> Let's talk one-line reviews. Catherine, do you have a one-line review well, for Excalibur? Um, I honestly don't know how to sum this up in one line. <laughs> I really don't. You have the next two and a half hours to tell us everything. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, there's just so much in this. So I, I don't know. Basically it's an Arthur, an Arthurian tale in two parts, I believe. Um, visually stunning, epic in scope, uh, but it's also very theater. The cream of British actors. Oh, indeed. At the time, indeed. I believe. Um, who had no film experience. No, which is why I, th- I think this whole kind of theater kind of thing came through. It, it was. It felt like some kind of chaotic stage mm-hmm. play that just happened to be filmed. And I'm totally there mm-hmm. for that. I love it. You're absolutely right. I mean, we're talking Patrick Stewart, Karen Hines. We're talking Liam Neeson, baby Liam Neeson. Mm. You know, name. Did, did he have his teeth fixed after this? Gabriel I mean, Barron. I think he might have, but he, he still looked old, though. He did. He looked not as babyish as I had anticipated. No. We're, we're going to get to it. Shrishma, do you have a one-line review of Excalibur? Listen, you watched the movie this week? I did watch the movie that's all, this week. That's all I can really ask. It's the other stuff that I asked for, but. So here we go. All the adaptations of King Arthur's legend, Excalibur, Merlin. This movie is not my favorite. Oh, interesting. Okay. Teaser. Right. Now, do I dare ask you which one is your favorite? You could if you wanted to. Hey, Shrishma, which is your favorite adaptation of Arthurian legend? The cartoon version. The the sword and stone. The sword and the stone with warts. Yeah. Not, Not so many boobies in that. Um, I'm still sticking with this one. Yeah. <laughs> a distinct lack of tatas right. in the animated one. It's okay with. I, I could have. You're cool with it. Done, You'd rather have yeah, a the tataless uh, song talking owl, right? Exactly. A, 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 who berates you yeah. is what you yes. prefer. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, Carolyn, do you have a one line review for Excalibur? Yes. Uh, as I have found with other versions of the Arthurian legend. This is simultaneously overly grand and so, like somewhat goofy, all in one swipe. I'd say that's accurate, right? Yep, absolutely. I think that's uh, it, it is definitely overblown. Um, yeah, yeah. kind of like that. Well, that's that's part of it, isn't it? I think so. It's, it's the this is primal. This is primal storytelling. We're getting a lot of this is the roots of a lot of saga type yeah. tales that we would see in the future. Yeah. My one-line review is that this is the best Arthurian movie this side of Monty Python. Well, hello. <laughs> I believe this, this This must have. But Monty Python must have been after this. No, Definitely. no, no. That was late 70s. I want to say 78. What? Yeah. Really? Yeah. So the search for the, yeah, the, I'm gra- pretty, the Holy Grail. I'm pretty sure. Let's verify. Because, I mean, there was so many. Uh, so did this reference Monty Python? 
with uh, the a little bit, limb chopping. Yes, a lot of it actually looked like outtakes from that particular. And that that is okay. Yeah, okay, merely a flesh Where, wound. Well, I am Holy I am flabbergasted and astounded. I've actually watched Monty Python and the Holy. You have seen it, okay. I have seen it. 19, oh, excuse me, 1975. Oh, so it's definitely no, part well, of the fabric of the culture. At this wow, point. okay. They were wow. definitely, definitely nodding to that. Wow, 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 for sure. I like it even more. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we couldn't timeless. have had Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves without yes, this that's true. movie Here first. On. I'm so glad you brought it up because that's what I was thinking last <laughs> night of – as I'm watching this movie, and I'm just going to put it out there, I really love this movie. I'd never seen it before, so Catherine, thank you so much for, for introducing it to us. Wow. Because, Carolyn, you will recall, uh, I was of a certain age, nine, ten years old, and I was living this lifestyle in my mind mm -hmm. and in my mm -hmm. basement. You thought you were a knight? Yep. Yeah, I was really into it because no, yeah. of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, starring Kevin Costner and Alan Rickman and Morgan Freeman. Also co-stars Michael Wincott, who you would know as the guy who talks like this. You would know him maybe guy from Gisborne. Charlie Sheen's. Yeah, Gisborne. Charlie Sheen's The Three Musketeers. I I know who you mean, yes. Or also And he is the so crow. nice. He's like a boy from Brooklyn that was like, Yeah, I can ride a horse. And he just no, so happens to I'll have learn. the most incredible. You can show to me outlaws, eh, Lady Marion? I mean, I think he's just a major <laughs> Michael Wincott. Hey, Michael Wincott, if you're out there and you happen to be listening to Old Movie Time Machine, uh, write us at PartyLine at OldMovieTimeMachine.com. We would love to have you on and just we'll give you a list of things that you can say in that voice. Mm -hmm. And we would appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Starting with Catherine's voicemail. Right? Absolutely. You reached the voicemail of Catherine Sherlock. <laughs> Just oh, that's this to happen. Yeah, who's to know, right? Yeah. I definitely made sure to tell him how much I loved Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Did you uh, Did you meet Michael Wincott? Yeah. Wait a minute. He was a regular. Wait, stop the program. Stop the entire fucking program. <laughs> what are you talking about? You remember that job that I had in Los Angeles? I recall that I you. You worked at a because yes. of the thing. You worked at a right. very popular. Um, the things I had to sign. Right. Yes. He was one of my regs. Oh, really? He was like, yeah. He was there all the time, having lunch. And I mean, like the first time I met him, I was like, I just need to tell you that, like, Guy of Gisborne is like lives lives high in my heart. <laughs> How did he, <laughs> he take it? That was awesome. He he was like. Oh, that's so sweet. And oh. then he told me that he was like some young kid from wherever he's from, Brooklyn, Queens. I don't know. Yeah, and yeah. did not know how to ride a horse and totally lied in his audition and said he wow. knew how to ride a horse. Wow. Carolyn, I mean, I have always enjoyed you as a very close relative, but I appreciate you even more now somehow. You know how, how deeply ingrained I'm, Michael Winthot is into the, the fabric of our childhood, Oh, I know. Believe me. I was like, you you have to understand. You're like a practical god yeah. in my yeah. <laughs> my childhood. Um, guys, on that note, Excalibur. Okay. Yes. Back to the Dark other hotties, Ages. There are hottie women and hottie men in this movie. Oh. We, we get butt cheek in this movie. Big time. We get side boob. We get mm. major butt cheek. It mm. is uh, hot and sexy, you, you all. So, I felt like it was still like dirty seventies going on. Mm -hmm. Well, it did, yeah, it did. It definitely did feel like that to it me. Really it really did. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It was a little glossier than the seventies. Mm. Like the the eighties had come mm -hmm. and sort mm -hmm. of. I don't know. I thought this was a very pristine looking movie. Definitely. I thought it's beautifully very framed. Yeah. 
Yeah. The colors are outstanding. How much cocaine do you think they were doing <laughs> Just during Just by the barrel. Uh, yeah. And the, and the horses, too, I think, were also on the on the business. Just frothing at the mouth. <laughs> so let's talk about it. Let's get into Excalibur. This is an Orion Pictures film. I love – we open with the Orion logo. That just – does something sorry business we're opening with space right out the gate i love it i think orion doesn't exist anymore or maybe it exists in like a totally different form but back in the day an orion picture was nearly a guarantee of quality that you were going to have a great time so we enter yes the the title card the dark ages a land divided without a Mm. king and we open with just loads of knights and merlin creeping through smoke doing battle it is very well it's very python isn't it it's a little it's a little python definitely yeah uh so he watches unflinchingly as a knight is impaled by a flaming spear merlin doesn't get phased by much merlin is out there he is basically they refer to him as a god right Almost, yeah. Sort of like a, uh, a sub god. Yeah, he's, he's he's been walking. He's a necromancer. He's been walking the earth for yes, some time. Yes. He's probably seen it all. He certainly has because he has the sight, right? Mm-hmm. He has the sight, and he also, it's not as with many skills. He has a natural gift, mm-hmm. but he has to work at it a little bit. So he, and later we see him teaching Morgana. You know, look, there are these spells. And there are these ingredients, you want to do it like this. And so he has had to cultivate his skills to be as powerful as he is. But powerful, he certainly is. Any thoughts on Merlin and his shiny cap, by the way? He's wearing a shiny helm. Very shiny. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, to, to me, I mean, he's, he's extremely dry and extremely funny all at the same time. Yes. He has these moments where he's observing. He's, he's obviously, he thinks he's above the goings on of man, right? Mm-hmm. He's not really... Too interested, and yet he's still doing a lot of work for them. So yeah. he's there's a trade-off. Something there is, there is, yeah. He's he's working towards um, an outcome for man. Yes, and he has peace. He has seen some kind of prophecy, or he's had a prophecy that shows that things are going to play out in a certain way. He tends to be right. I don't think he's wrong. Like there are things that he doesn't see, mm. but it's not that he's wrong about anything. Things will oh. pass as anticipated. So he is out there. And one of the primary nights that he is observing is Uther Pendragon. Yeah. Pendragon. Is that how we pronounce it? Because I. Uther I, Pendragon. Okay. Because I've also heard it as Pendragon, but that was in a Roger Corman movie. So no, let's not. Please no. Okay. Please <laughs> don't. Please don't ever say Pendragon. He wants sacred sword. He demands the sword. Yeah. I mean, Merlin thinks he is the one. He, he is the one to unite the peoples of Britain. Yes. Um, bring peace to the land become one with the land, and so on. Right. So we. this is the start of this tale that we're telling about, yes, the king and the land are the same thing. This is the primary theme. Mm-hmm. Without the king, the land falls apart. But you can't be the king without the sword of kings, and that is a sacred sword that is only given to certain people. So this is what Uther wants. He demands it. Merlin's like, we're going to get to it. And Uther says something along the lines of, Hawk, Hawk is for lovers! Something like that. Mm. A great line. We will be using that as an audio drop at some point. Excellent. Hawk is for lovers. (laughs) How are you? 
Sushma, yeah. now in the past, you have struggled with some of the films right. that we have watched. Right. Struggled to a point where you actually haven't watched said film. Right. That's the last time I'll bring it up. I promise. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. Once. Once. No. Well, you skipped the last half hour. I mean, that's mostly, I probably skipped the half hour of all of them. Oh, okay. Just to be fair. That should just be the, the normal standard. Yeah. Okay. My mistake. <laughs> but how did, how does this era feel to you of swords and knights in armor and things like that? No, Were you this, a Prince of Thieves? Yeah, no, I, I can dig it. Um, you know, I love like the whole Lord of the Rings and then Game of Thrones. So, Your Thrones of, are, okay. Uh, sure. So, I mean, this kind of fits into that genre. Um, I definitely know about the legend of King Arthur, so I've watched like different versions of it that have been like made. Sword of the Stone, right? And then like I think there have been like more movies that have been made since then, like around the story, in yeah, some way or the there other. There was a whole Merlin series on yeah. the sci-fi. And, channel. Um, Sam, Neill. there was one maybe with Sean Connery. Yes, first night, first night yeah. with Richard Gere yeah. <laughs> and Julia Ormond. Julia Ormond, and there was one with. Kira Knightley. Yes. As okay, I well, might not have watched that. Which I saw in the theater, and I remember it's like almost three hours long. I remember almost nothing about it yeah. other than yeah, Kira Knightley. Right. There she is. So uh, isn't there one that's more focused on Morgana? Yeah, probably. Like I feel like there's been so character. many variations of it yeah. over the years. Um, so this was good. Like I I like I watched it and I enjoyed it. I just um I think I've been spoiled with the way like storytelling has progressed over the last, you know, since the 80s. You're used um, to a different pace, right, right? Like a different pace. The action scenes were kind of lame. Listen, there was far <laughs> less parking in this movie than in previous movies we've been watching on this program. And not so many ashtrays. <laughs> zero None, ashtrays. zero. They were just the whole world's an ashtray. Around, right? yeah. Exactly. Right. But everyone was <laughs> smoking. Actually, I'm That's not true. sure there was even a living room, <laughs> particularly. No, there was not. No. There were certainly some banquet halls right. that got a good workout as well. Mm -hmm. then we'll, We will come to that. But yes. let's wrap up Uther here because he goes to the quintessential peaceful lake where the lady of the lake thrusts she thrusts excalibur to the sky i have a picture of it here look at this i love that it reflects green light so that's the magic i love the magic light yeah. i'm so okay so green is my favorite color anything green i'm going to gravitate towards this movie's got a lot of green in it mm -hmm. i was into it mm -hmm. robin hood actually known to wear a lot of green probably green why tights? yes say. in some in some cases the earl flynn uh, model well, and, and Peter Pan, actually. They're kind of interchangeable. Yeah. William Tell, I think, is also known as something of a green-wearing woodsman. Do you know William Tell? He shoots the apple off of his son's head with oh. a bow and arrow. We've talked about this in the past. But Maybe. It's and been many years like of doing Joan this. like Joan of Arc or something. Something like that. Yeah. Those were the days. Yeah. Oh, Other we were versions, so young. Uh, the Mists of Avalon is what I'm thinking of, the Arthurian legend from the female perspective. Okay. Mm. Starring, like, Juliana Margulies and, like... I don't know, some other people. One of the, you know, Houstons. <laughs> I see, I see. So we have, there it is, beautiful, emerging, plunging into the sky from the Lady of the Lake. And Uther takes it, right? And... He is encouraged to say the words. And what are the words, Catherine? I can't remember. But he said he said something that I'm basically king. was, I'm king, I, whatever, I have, here is the sword of power, I'm, yes. I'm your rightful king. Uh, yeah. And with the battle that had been 
everybody, you know, there's peacetime. Right. You know, he, the, yeah, with the Duke. So the land is, uh, of course, divided. So we have the uh, Cornwall, I believe was his name. But he basically says, look, if you agree to follow me as your king. You can have. Uh, you can have from here to the sea is yours. Right. Baby, do you like it? And Cornwall's like, done. This is great. And then we go to a medieval feast where we celebrate this newfound peace. So let's talk about this banquet hall, by the way. We, we referenced it already. As we know, one of my major pet peeves is people ordering food, having food delivered, drinks delivered, and then abandoning the food before it is eaten. It's a total waste, and I do not agree with it. I got to tell you, in almost any medieval set film, these guys are chomping down on their mutton, their legs of meat, their uh, loaves of bread, just sticking it full into their face, ripping great chunks of bread out. And it's a wonderful thing to see. Anyway, he grabs Excalibur. He starts lopping arms off. It gets pretty bloody, gushing blood all over the place. And then he runs off and decides to drive the sword into a stone. Now, why does he do this again, Catherine? This is because if I can't he, have... Yeah, basically, he's, he knows he's done for. He's toasted, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He is toast. And yeah, basically, it's if, if I cannot have Excalibur, mm. no one will have Excalibur. Yes. So he just drives... Yeah. So this is the... And then hence the sword in the stone. Sword right. in the stone. Right. Mm -hmm. So then we're fast forwarding into time. And word has traveled that, you know, whoever will pull the sword from the stone will be the rightful heir to the throne. And then the land will have a king and the king will have the land and they will become one. He probably won't take his armor off though when that happens. Hey, oh. So we meet Arthur as an old, as a young man. And he is a squire to his adopted brother, Kay. And uh, he's there with his f adopted father, the Duke of Morvern, I believe is the name. Yeah, I am, I'm not sure. But I mean, he has no idea who he is. I mean, he believes he's this man's son. And yes. So on. Uh, and he is just, yeah, the younger son, therefore the squire, um, and supporting his older brother, Kay, right. who is about to fight for the honor of attempting to pull the yes. sword from the stone. Mm. This is the finale of the popular cartoon that we, right. of course, grew up with. And I got to tell you, this K and dad are a lot nicer than the cartoon versions. Those guys were dick. They were dick. They were so mean. They were quite mean to Arthur in the movie. Like, I think they like... They called him warts. Yeah. Yes. They were very well, mean. I think the, the whole yeah. point of the cartoon was that it was really about the relationship between Arthur and Merlin and That's Arthur true. becoming Arthur and, and finding it out. This is like and where this is very obviously like, well, hey, he's an adult now. Let's pull this goddamn sword from the stone and get on with the rest of the movie. Yes. I, I like the fact that we're, we're starting with this right. rather than finishing with mm -hmm. it. And I kind of like the relationship that he has with his adopted family. They seem like decent people. Mm. Like when he forgets the sword, it's a big fucking deal in the cartoon where they're just like, well, you know, Kay's a real dick about it. Dad's a real dick about it. And he panics, and that's how he draws the, the sword from the stone. In this case, it's a much gentler, like, well, go get it, dummy. You know, we'll, we'll be here. Don't worry about it, but go, just go get it. And it is, he immediately clocks that it is stolen, and he goes back, and he just happens to pass by the sword in the stone. Doesn't seem to know too much about it. And he draws it with ease and brings it back. And he's like, here, you can have Excalibur. Use that one. And they're just like, fucking Excalibur. You did it. I'm sorry. Uh, this is crazy. 
And then we get a whole back and forth where they're like, is it really Excalibur? Let's go back to the stone. He has to put it back into the stone and then they try to take it out. Because, yeah, they were actually by the stone. Like, so Kay and his dad kind of ended up sort of there just after. Yes, the, the tournament was right they couldn't, behind. And, yeah, but, yeah, and then um, I, think, I think his his dad asks Kay, did you draw the sword? And Kay said, yes. And yes. Then, and then he was like, oh, no, because he's, he's a good man. He's a proper, right. he's good knight material. Yes, he is. He mm-hmm. certainly um, is. And, and then the father actually says, what's it back? Like, what have you done? Yes. <laughs> we can't be seen with this. This is, okay. this is terrible news. But then other people kind of see that it's been drawn. So then, yeah, he has to put it back. Somebody else has to try it. Well, who's that somebody else, Catherine? Well. Uh, let's talk about the captain, the captain of all of our hearts, mm-hmm. Jean-Luc Picard. I was the so yeah, that's him. I was telling Catherine that there was a point in the movie where I recognized a very familiar, like shaped head. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> my head looks familiar. And very smooth. I know that. And, and, and then later, as I googled the cast, I was like, wait a minute! Yeah, I yeah. knew it was his head. We get a very touching scene between him and his adopted family, where he's like, "Look, I was your son before I was your king." Right. He, he he really easily slips into king mode. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as he has the sword and he's like, well, guess I'm king. Anyway, before I was your king, though, and I'm pretty awesome, clearly. I drew the sword mm-hmm. from the stone. I was your son and I appreciate you. So please come with me. Something along those lines. Now, not everybody is very happy about this, of course. There are dissenters who will refuse to believe that he is the chosen king for the land. And so he has to do battle with them, right? Mm-hmm. So Picard's castle is under siege mm. by, people, by the people a, who are the against, dissenters, yes. Yeah. And then Arthur has to swoop in and defeat them. He's climbing ladders. He's sing, single-handedly defeating this, this attacking army yes. to save uh, Picard's – he ends up – this is where – Guinevere is Picard's daughter, right? Yes, yes, I like they were just yes. calling him Picard. His real name is something entirely different. Le- but... Leander Grass or something. Yes, like that. yes. But he's for the Professor X. For the sake of the, the program, he's Picard, right? He's I mean, Picard. we just know him. Yeah. Oh, Captain, my Captain. <laughs> uh, so he shows up. Uh, he's kicking all kinds of ass outside of Picard's castle, and he just does it, and he saves the day, and. This culminates in him climbing up to the battlements and then jumping off the top of the battlements, WWE, yeah, wrestling style, and clotheslining his enemy off of his horse. Yes, you're yes, yeah, and and basically asks demands that he yield. Mm. But this guy, Urians, that's his name. Yes, he says, "I will not yield to a squire." Fuck no. And Arthur, to his credit, is like, you know what? You're right. You shouldn't yield to a squire. You will make me a knight, and then as a knight, I can be your king. And we get this brief moment of hesitancy where well, he hands over Excalibur. Yes, yes, exactly. And so Urien's is Bold like holding move. like the sword of power, just like yeah, and it's vibrating what? in his hands. Yes, yeah, and like Arthur is just kneeling in front of him, just like in in the moat. We get a lot of moat action in this mm, movie, mm. and so he's he's sort of like up to his chest in water, totally exposed, totally vulnerable. It's a real moment of leadership because he's yes. saying, I can't lead you unless you accept me as one of you. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And to his credit, 
Urians does. Mm -hmm. And he does knight him and then hands back Excalibur and acknowledges him as his king. Yeah, because it was something along the lines of uh, the courage in uh, that runs in your veins can only be from Uther Pendragon. Yes. Its source is so strong or something. Like yes, exactly. That. And yes. it's very emotional. I don't. Mm. I, I found it to be a very moving scene. Yes. Was. Dude, yeah, your was... balls are so big. They must be Uther Pendragons. <laughs> <laughs> that was not the moving part. That <laughs> that came that came later. Hello, everybody. Jay-Z here, checking in in the middle of the show. I know we got some great momentum. I'd like to arrest that momentum for a moment to direct your attention to our show notes, where you will find a link to our Patreon page. It rarely gets a spotlight here in the middle of the show like this, but we did want to make you aware of it. It's called The Boom Room, and it is extraordinary, you know, to say, to put it mildly. So what you can do is you go to the Patreon link that's in the show notes, you sign up, and for a lousy two American dollars a month, you get more than double the content. That's right. You, you heard me correctly. All of these shows that you're listening on this free feed right now, we actually talked about these movies for twice as long, sometimes even longer. I mean, these are usually about an hour, these episodes here. The long cut, guys, I mean, we're looking at two hours, two and a half hours, close to three. I don't think we've hit it yet, but we're very near to it. So just sign up today. It's two bucks a month. It's not a big deal. And we will thank you if and when you do, just as I will right now. Just a little sneak preview of a thank you. Here it goes. Thank you. And now back to the show. Arthur at this point is a shell of his former kingly self. He's just wasting away. He's just rotting away. Oh, Mordred approaches him at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. basically Morgana sends him to... Uh, Mordred to meet his father yes. for the first time, and he and and Mordred wants the kingdom. He's like, I'm here to take over, to claim what is mine, yes. what is my right. Right. If she again goes back to the blood of the kings, and mm -hmm. stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. And Arthur's like, I have no land to give you. I have no son. nothing to give you but love. Love. That's it. Which is a Mordred's beautiful, like, sad sentiment. Yeah, Mordred's like, that's the last thing I want. Right. That. He's a little bitch, so he rejects this. And uh, he intends to use force. Uh, what's his name? Ur Urens? Urens is stabbed. Mm. Yep, something. Like and he up. begs uh, Percival to continue the quest. And at this point, we get some hot peasant action. The peasants, again, pissed off about all of this. And they mm. beat Percival up. Really badly. Yeah. They they really attack this guy and then chuck him into the river, right? Because and and also they're they're egged on by Lancelot, who was basically turned into this madman prophet. Who's That's like, right. Look, there's a knight. Yes. They made themselves gods. And he he is yeah. full crazy mode, cr crazy beard mode. He is yeah. uh, he yeah. himself is aged and has has lost his luster for sure. Mm. And they chuck him into this river. And at this point, we get a beautiful symbolic scene of Percival shedding his armor, and he just piece by piece removes his former encasing. Allegiance. Yeah, yes. it was it was like I don't know, it was like his pride, all, all of those. He was down to the absolute last. Yeah, um, his true self. That there's no falsehood around him anymore. 
Um, and and that that's it seems like that's the state you have to be in to find this, to, yeah, to be um, worthy worthy of the grail. Yeah, absolutely. strip strip away all absolutely. the trappings of yes, yeah, yeah. yes, of, of power and ego and whatever. Yeah, and and at this point he discovers the true grail mm. and the secret. Who does the grail serve, Catherine? Arthur, the king. Because. Um, the king and the land are one. One. And so uh, Percival takes the grail, takes it to Wait, Arthur. It's, it's not Mary Magdalene? Mm. Am I confusing my movie? <laughs> 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 Just kidding. That's right. Just kidding. That's right. Oh, boy. We, okay. could, we could get deep into the weeds about grail lore and grail mm-hmm. quests. Maybe that's a different show we should be doing yeah, as well. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I would love to talk for hours. So Arthur drinks and his soul is replenished. I'll tell you what, it's a real the bitch is back, baby, type of moment. And he's like, all right, let's get the gang back together. Summon my knights. Let's TC some B out here. Okay, guys? I feel good. I feel better than I have in years. I got to go forgive some people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Got to make some peace. The, I got We got to hit the countryside. Guys. Tonight we ride. And they ride out to the nunnery where Guinevere has hidden herself away, right? And he forgives her, her infidelity with his best man. And he asked her forgiveness of him. He, I feel like he was waiting for it and she didn't give it to him. And he was like, well, you could forgive me too if you wanted to. <laughs> and it turns out that this, this is another shockingly beautiful scene. And I'm not really into Arthur in this film. Like he's just sort of a... He's a real nothing burger to me as far as like he, he heavy as the head and all that crap. Right. But like, he's sort of like sliced white bread. <laughs> yeah. He's just like zero charisma. Right. There's not a whole lot to him. And his knights seem to have a lot more, have more passions and are more interesting as characters that you have more emotional aspects you can latch onto. And he's a, he's this symbol, right? He's, he's the land and all this. this is, show, you know? It's mm-hmm. true that you always have more fun as a bridesmaid than you do as a bride. Exactly. And this would be the example of. And, and he's in the hot seat, so I get it. So he has to sort of remove himself from party time. He can't go out for drinks with the guys all the time because he is the king and he is the land and all this. But he he has a very touching scene with Guinevere where he talks about how – he talks about the, the weight of his role and how he must – serve as a symbol that preserves the good times when the the kingdom was united and he and the land were one and everything was thriving and glorious because he must preserve this essence for the future. So he really serves the future. He becomes the stuff of legend. He knows he knows he he's basically inspiration for the future. Yes. And he because if as long as this remains in man's memory, then there's a chance that this can happen again. Mm -hmm. And he it's a goal to strive for yes round table and but then he he talks about how he sometimes wishes that he could just be a man and then she could be his wife and yeah i think i think basically it's when it's done when he's i think what is almost what he's saying yeah right like when he can lay all this responsibility down that she will come to him and they could just be together yeah exactly it's a really it's a touching scene i'm getting emotional talking about it. it's weird but did you see how she was just a bit like 
bit behind the eyes at that. Yeah, well, she has been she living was, in the nunnery. No, yeah, I know, but, 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 but it was like she was like she was trying to like, yeah, yeah, I'd be there. But you know, damn well, yeah, she was yeah. turning up. Yeah, and this is the whole. So to sort of get her get herself out of that situation, that tangled web. She's like, oh, by the way. Remember when you drove Excalibur between uh, me and my naked lover's forms? I kept it. I have it. Mm -hmm. You are the king. You clearly got your groove back. I must return the Sword of Kings to you. And at that point, Arthur goes to visit Stonehenge and wishes that Merlin was there. And Merlin- I think it is a henge. It's not Stonehenge. Okay, okay. Sure. Yeah. Yes. A, a, a henge of triptychs, triptych stones- we we all see the symbol as mystical and everything. So this is where he goes to commune with Mr. Mystical himself, Merlin. He ends up in Outlander. Well, well this is it because yeah. Merlin comes back. So he calls him back. Yeah. So he's like, Merlin, where are you? And he bangs on the stone. Right. And then Merlin kind of like comes. Merlin's still in the away. basement. He's still in the locked in the basement, in encased in green stone. Yeah, yeah. But he he does have. Is that power. how the stones work? You're supposed to bang on. Uh, that's him? what yeah, we're doing it wrong. So. Ask yeah. for we, someone. Keep pouring animal blood. Hi, hi, yeah. hello. Anybody there? <laughs> hello, um, Jamie. And get it, your ass out of that stone, man. Yeah. It seems like the. <laughs> The the power that Merlin has now is not in the physical world. It's within dreams. Um, and he has been brought back, and he's been brought back by Arthur's love. Yes, he does a, a sort of, if you will, fans of Star Wars, he, he force projects himself a la Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi. Mm -hmm. He sort of beams himself, mm -hmm. his image over mm -hmm. to Arthur mm -hmm. for a minute. And then... He goes to Sexy Morgana. Mm -hmm. In their encampment. Yes. And he taunts her lack of dragon's mist powers. He sort of, he riles us up of like, well, you know, I used to do the dragon's mist. Like, but I, I you, hear you're so much better than Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you, yeah. Uh, can you summon the dragon's mist? Let's get a load of that. Let's see that. And she takes on the challenge. And to her credit, she does produce the dragon's mist. But this fucks over Mordred's plans because he's like, where's this mist coming from? I did not didn't make room in my calculations. Yeah. Thank I you. I didn't order the mist. Yeah. What the mom. hell, mom? Mom. Mom. <laughs> mom, there's mist. Meatloaf. Popular music sensation, meatloaf. <laughs> I would do anything for love, but I wouldn't do that. Yeah. Mm. Mom, I want a meatloaf and I want you to get rid of the mist, the dragon's mist. <laughs> I didn't calculate for mist, Mom. You're fucking with my plan. Merlin, meanwhile, is loving it. And we, we haven't really focused enough on Merlin's uh, sort of asides of like, oh, yes, that's very good. You have to. It's like, he's it's good, yeah. It's, he's been real turned on by all of this. No, no, no. Yeah, I, well, I was he, say, he, knows, he really seems he to He knows be what enjoying. he's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He knows he's fucking with it. And he, and he like, chuckles out like, oh, you're, you're doing amazing things here, but beware. Yeah, yeah. The dragon's mist can have unfortunate side effects. Yes. Uh, cut to old Morgana. Yeah, what dragon's mist is he talking about? Mm. Well, well she, actual. <laughs> I mean, and she, uh, she is smoked like an old piece of ham. Well, the thing is she's been using magic to keep her youth. Right. Which he's on to. He's like, I've seen He's like, oh, before. you're so yeah. beautiful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you're Something's so, up so here. beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So he knows. Yeah. Don't bullshit a bullshitter. All right. Yeah, I do so magic too. I taught you that magic. Basically, the charm of making undoes whatever she's been doing to herself to keep beautiful. Yeah. It undoes that. Yeah. And it does. And 
she becomes a crone, mm. as all witches must. It and also is what happens when you get too much plastic surgery, and then one day you wake up and you're like 70 or 75, and you're like, oh God, I look hideous. I am a crone, <laughs> as I knew I would be. There's uh, no amount of facelifts after a certain point. People, listen, okay? it, life as a crone is hard. It's tough to be ugly in the world, uh, as proven by her son strangling her to death. <laughs> he can't deal with it. He's like, no, no. Mama. <laughs> well, basically, she's not filling out that like metal breastplate, frankly. Well, right. So he is, is done with damn her. fine. Yeah, was there something going on between them? I. Re- she re- seems re- like between an incestuous woman. I feel like she'd be into it. But it's kind of no boundaries, anyway. Yeah, but yeah, she's, so, a, she's so, a little so, Jocasta like. Totally, totally speculative, but mm. you know, she did lay a bunch of charms on him, a bunch of free charms. I don't know, but they he, end he's up ungrateful. Let's face it. Well, that's true. He's a little bitch, is what he is, Catherine. Sort mm-hmm. <laughs> of little of a bitch. <laughs> anyway, the battle happens as we knew it would, and. Lancelot does end up returning. He looks fucking rough, uh, but he dies. He does, you know, he does battle. He di- then he dies upon learning that the queen is the queen it's still again. The queen, which yeah. she's Guinevere's. He tells a white lie. Yeah, just to let him go. Mm. Find peace, mm-hmm. Harry Lancelot. And then, <laughs> yeah. So then Mordred rolls in, and he's ready to do battle with Daddy. And daddy again, issues. Total Daddy issues. We've all been there. And uh, here's, I give this movie a lot of credit here because in a modern movie, this battle, this is the Marvel effect. This battle goes on for 25 minutes and a bu- it's a bunch of magic and you go numb to it, but this is over quickly. Yeah. And Ted just they, takes they, care they of business. They literally just get, head, like, totally, they get down to it. And they, like, just, and they stab each other, right? Yeah, it's basically, mutual stabbing. Yeah, yeah. Mordred stabs Arthur. Yes. And then Arthur kind of. Pulls that in, right? Then takes out Excalibur, yeah, and yeah, and then it's good. All before this blood red sun. I mean, it's It's awesome. The colors are great. This movie is a beautifully shot. I know we mentioned this like ninety hours ago when we started the show, but just a reminder: it's a beautifully constructed film visually. It's fantastic. So at this point, Arthur is he's uh, running out of time, Mm. and he knows this, so he takes Excalibur and he summons Percival. And he says, here, I need you to take this, find a peaceful body of water, some calm waters, chuck it in. And then, you know, we will be done with this. I can go come back. Let me know what's up. And so Percival goes to, he finds some water, but he just can't bring himself to release Excalibur back into the wild. Sword of power. Yeah. So again, yes, a lot of, and we've seen the sword create a lot of odd behavior in people in the past. Mainly it unites. Right. And and it has its reasons. It has like a purpose. Mm. And so he he doesn't throw it in, but he returns to Arthur and Arthur's like, oh yeah, so you threw it in? He's like, oh yeah, 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 I threw it in. I threw it in. He's like, great, great, great. What? So what did you see when you threw it in? What happened? It's like, yeah, I didn't throw it in actually. We, we need a king. The country needs a king. We have to have this sort of power, sort of you know, gods. And Arthur's like, look, as long as... Excalibur is out there, then that means that a new king can come and claim Excalibur. There will be a new king one day. So please, I need you to do this for me. And so Percival goes back and he does release the sword back through the air, arcs in slow motion through the air. And then we see the Lady of the Lake's hand emerge. 
grab it in spectacular fashion again in it's front of that blood red sun. Good catch. It's fucking, it's a great catch. It is, that is a perfectly vertical sword she is holding up, oh. reflecting blood red light. And then it just plunges back into the water. Percival returns to tell Arthur that he did the thing that was requested of him by his king, only to find that Arthur has passed away and is being sailed off into the mists across the waters to legend. It's kind of a bit Viking-esque, I thought. It is, yes, it is. It's just not on fire. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe we made, we made reference to icebergs, people doing this mm -hmm. on icebergs. 90, again, 90 hours ago. I've been told this ha is how uh, David wants to go, is that he wants On an iceberg? To oh, be a pyre. No, a floating, pyre. Floating pyre? And the flaming arrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, send you off to Valhalla. It's All a, right. It's a good way to go. It's a great way to go. And thus yeah. ends Excalibur. What a ride, Done. Catherine. Mm. From me, personally... Thank you so much for introducing me to this film. <laughs> I cannot believe you've not seen it. I can't it either. I, I mean, can't either. I, uh, this is totally up your alley. I just wish that I had seen it when I was a boy because it would have just been such a, another. <laughs> how how would this have uh, changed your life? Well, I, you know, I was thinking about this, and there could have been, could have, could have been a real pivot towards Renaissance festivals. Well, is what I was suspecting. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm, which made me mm -hmm. think. Catherine Sherlock, mm. you have been known in the past to take a turn for the Dickensian. Absolutely. Do you have a Renfest? A what now? Have you ever done a Renfest? What's that then? Renaissance Festival. A Renaissance. Are you familiar with this concept? It's, it's just like a medieval. Okay, so in America, in the US, America. I, and I can speak to, I have been to one as an adult. Uh, that in Michigan, they have this area outside of uh, a town, a small town where they have these medieval buildings. It's a whole complex of medievalness. And you can go there and they have people in the summertime who dress up as it's, the blacksmith and all this. It's like a cosplay before cosplay. Mm, yeah. Thing. Yeah. And you just go there, you can buy your turkey leg and walk around like you're Henry VIII okay. and all this. And you, you so read. And when I was like 18, 19, something like that, mm -hmm. I went to Ibiza and they had a castle. Okay. And they had jousting. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Have you? Are you familiar with the concept of medieval times? The restaurant chain. <laughs> mm, no. Okay. In the United States of America, there is a castle-shaped restaurant called Medieval Times. What? You That's go. Actually, was in Toronto. You go into. Uh, well, and I've been You've been to Toronto. How did I not see this? Yeah. You. We gotta go. Christmas. Yeah, medieval times. I've been to one. Okay. Once. Where was yours? Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas. I went to one in Chicago, yeah. Illinois. And you go into a grand hall. It's a massive comp, a massive room that has room for jousting. And you're sitting in the round, and they mm. bring you Cornish game hens and big pewter mugs of whatever your Coca Cola. It sounds like exactly yeah. the same and the joust okay. setup yeah, okay. as the, this thing in Ibiza. You are you are seated. Actually, in... it wasn't Ibiza. It was Tenerife. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got that wrong. Wow, wrong. Never mind. Romantic place for medieval times. But you go and you're seated in a section that is dedicated to a particular night. You're, you know, you're on Team you Blue Knight or Red Knight. Yeah, night, Green yes. Green Knight always got it because he was kind of evil, and so we gave Green Knight a bunch of shit. We were 14 years old. But green's your favorite do. color. I know, I know. It doesn't make any sense. Slytherin. But I do remember. Well, yeah, <laughs> I do remember the Green Knight actually breaking character briefly and turning to us to be like, "Guys, it's just a show." 
which is wow. You really must have been giving him some shit. Fourteen year old boys, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, then you go after you you eat your fabulous feast, and then afterwards you can get your picture taken with the king or the knight of your choice. Okay, that's some. I'm I having so much. Oh. oh, well, if you can dig that up, maybe we'll put it on the Instagram. Maybe. Look. I don't know where mine is. I don't know if it still exists. Carolyn, do you ever do a Medieval Times in person? I actually never did in person. All right, we got to do um, this. Let's talk about the final question. Shrishma is, you, I give you a lot of credit. You not only watched the movie, you stayed awake for the entire recording. Let's we need our yes or no. We need to take some oh, shit. To the yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, we, yeah. We've got we got to tick these boxes here. So here we go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Catherine Sherlock. Yes. 1981. Yeah. John Borman's yes. Excalibur. Mm-hmm. Do we keep watching this? Shit. Yes. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Awesome film. Yes. Trish Nike. Excalibur. We keep watching it. Considering that there's so many versions of this story out there, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I really I have to say no. Just you were partial to the cartoon. I, I enjoy like the other versions of it. Okay, fair enough. I think that's a totally valid reason. Because yes, many interpretations. Right. Carolyn Nowrose, do we keep watching Excalibur? Uh, I'm gonna go with a yes because I definitely feel like I need to watch it again. I also Same. think to agree with you, Justin, that. If this was something I had seen before or was part of our childhood yeah. canon of films, yeah. that I would be like, oh, duh, of course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know how we, <laughs> like, I'm one? guessing no one in our family, like, this was not on their radar. Yeah, or it, it probably wasn't on cable mm-hmm. a lot. I mean, like, I was watching probably. all of cable in the early 1990s, right. so, uh, and I never right. saw this, so somehow it was missed. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, uh, but... I definitely will probably watch it again. And I mean, I followed that film up with immediately watching the making of. I, no, I'm, I'm going to do the same I, thing. I, I would like to see that as well. I'm going to watch And it honestly, I, I watch this at least once a year. Mm. And so I this have, is a I standard have for you. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. great. And so, I, like I mean, this. the music's okay. amazing. Everything, it's just the whole thing is just epic. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean... I mean, it's Carmina Burana, it's Wagner. Right. We're barely scratching the surface with this three-hour convo. I mean, there's mm. so much to to love about this. It's obviously, okay, I've been talking about this the entire show, but I love this movie. This is great. I will wa- definitely watch it again, and I will recommend it to kids of that age, especially who are into that kind of thing. I know they're still out there. Mm. So this is uh, it's a yes for me, dog. Let's do it. And then from there, we have to talk about what we're talking about next week, you guys. So next, are we talking about next this? week's film, Shrishma, I'm glad you asked. We are watching 1956s. We're starting a new sort of mini arc here. We're going to talk about people a little bit. We've talked about the times. We've talked about society. We've talked about the city, the suburbs. We've talked about crime. Um, we've talked about summer vacation things. We spent a lot of time on summer vacation. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to talk about the people. So we're going to start with women. Then we're going to talk about the men. And then we're going to talk about the kids. So next week is the women. 1956. It's a film called Hilda Crane. Twice divorced Hilda Crane, feeling that she's run out of chances, returns to her mother's house in her small hometown and tries to decide what to do next while still hoping to hold on to her independence. That proves to be a challenge. 
Directed by Philip Dunn and starring Gene Simmons. I got to assume this is not, it's a different spelling from the guy from Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really funny, though. Hello, it's me, uh, Hilda Crane. Gene Simmons. Just trying to hold on to my independence. And also Guy Madison and Jean-Pierre Romand. I don't know who those people are, but we are going to find out next week. And until next time, please look us up. Party line at oldmovietimemachine.com. Also, hey, join us. Follow us on the Facebook and the Instagram. Please, we need to get these numbers up. We know you're out there. We know you're listening. Follow us on that stuff. It helps us. It helps other people find the show. This makes life better for you. You get better content, all this. It's a whole chain of shit. I'm not going mean, to explain it. It's the internet, right? Reach it's out algorithms. on our social media so we can give you a shout out. Yeah. Say hi to us and we will yeah. say hi back. It's uh, pretty much a guarantee. So there it is. That's the end. I will do my weird separate microphone thing right now. Thank you so much, past me. It is present me. Talking into that different microphone in the editing booth. Here I am, as promised. Boy, that was a stellar episode, right? I mean, sound issues aside, uh, I think we really got to the bottom of Excalibur. If you agree with us, please reach out to our email. Just uh, send us a message, partyline at oldmovietimemachine.com. Let us know what you think about Excalibur. Did you grow up with this? Have you ever been to a Medieval Times restaurant? Do you Renfest? Please let us know. We are eager to hear. And as for next week, we are talking about Hilda Crane. I know last week I said we were talking Hilda Crane. I forgot about the Excalibur episode. I don't know why I jumped the gun. This was an awesome movie, and I should have told you last time. But here's the deal. Hilda Crane, 1956. We already talked about it before. Uh, We're looking at the ladies of the era, women of the era, and the lives that they're living. This one, you're going to have to go to either Roku or get yourself a lovely, perfectly restored Blu-ray and have a watch of Hilda Crane. So give that a look and then join us next Wednesday. And until then, this has been Old Movie Time Machine.